We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pack a Day podcast, your one stop shop for all things green and gold. My name is Mike Lund, alongside me, Tyler Grizzagorik, as always, on this Sunday as we start to wrap up the NFL Combine. It's it is now officially draft season. The top prospects have all gotten their workouts in. We've had some crazy results. We'll be taking a focus on some of the wide receiver numbers and whether they have moved up past 30, whether some will be back there at 30. Maybe some guys have climbed back up in toward that 30 range. It was an incredible week. Also, Packers linked to some notable free agents as well. Uh, there could be some very interesting there. We have news of who the joint practice might be. There, there's a lot going on as we wrap up this week. And uh, Tyler, what's been sticking out to you so far from Packers news this week? Uh, the thing that really sticks out to me the most is that the Packers are going to get involved in free agency once again. And uh, we can talk about whether or not that's smart, but I think that that's the thing that we I'm taking away from this week. Um, I, the offseason plan is becoming clearer and clearer with every with every passing day. So uh, I think the Packers are going to once again get active in free agency. Absolutely. So we'll just dive in with that again. Don't forget as well, follow the Packaday Podcast wherever fine podcasts can be found, as well as on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. Looking toward free agency when it starts in a few weeks, I, I know the guy talked about it yesterday. The Packers have been linked to Austin Hooper. Uh, there's talks they've been linked to Joe Schobert and Nick Kwiatkowski. Uh, it, it's widely assumed Blake Martinez is gone. It sounds the same with Kyle Facker, who sounds like he's going to take a one-year prove-it deal somewhere else to try and 
bank in 2021 on big money. And they haven't talked to Brian Blocka's agent yet, which is a little concerning. But with some of these free agents, Kwiatkowski, I don't think he's going to cost very much because he wasn't a, really a starter in Chicago. But he could be one of those Quan Alexander type guys. But then Schobert's probably going to cost a decent amount because he had some eye-popping numbers, even though the underlying stuff doesn't quite show it. And Hooper's going to cost quite the penny. If you thought Jimmy Graham got paid, wait till you see what the contract costs on Hooper gets. But, but Tyler, are, are any of those three, are they wise investments for how much they're going to cost for the Packers? You know, with Austin Hooper, I don't think he's going to cost as much as we think. Uh, Jimmy Graham's already making $9 million a year, so I, I think that his time in Green Bay is over. Um, you know, obviously they're going to bring in a guy like Hooper. It has to be. They, they won't be able to afford both of them. So, you know, you take Jimmy's contract and... Uh, unfortunately, move him from the team and then add Hooper and maybe a couple million. I think you can get Hooper for 11 million. I think that was a, around the asking price that he was going to see. Um, I, I think that for 11 million, you know, a three or four year deal, I, I really like it. It's it it aligns with the direction of this team. It aligns with what they need. It's it's really kind of saying here, Aaron. Here's all the the tools you're going to need for your last hurrah and. Um, you know, just giving him help to really be the quarterback that we know that Aaron Rodgers can be. Now, on that same coin, losing Brian Balaga does not help that either. So it's really kind of a pick-your-poison type thing. Um, I, I I still feel like Balaga is going to be back in, in Green Bay in 2020. I just It is a little concerning that they haven't met with the agent yet and they haven't really talked anything or talked about any of the contract details. But, you know, I, I still feel like Balaga is going to be back. Uh, with Schobert, you know, I don't, I'm not willing to pay big money for him. Uh, if you're going to pay Schobert, you might as well pay Martinez. That's just how I feel about that. Um, I don't think it's a significant, significant upgrade to from Martinez to Schobert. Um, Schobert maybe is a little bit better uh, in pass coverage, but not enough to warrant the $10 million a year that he'll likely get. Uh, Kwiatkowski is an interesting one, though. Uh, Obviously, he's played with the Bears for the last couple of years. I think he's a guy that you can bring in as your your linebacker, too. Uh, considering that Patton is playing less and less of two linebacker sets, I'm perfectly okay with just a veteran guy who can kind of do it all, uh, maybe above average do it all. Uh, so Kwiatkowski would definitely be a guy that I'd look to to kind of just supplement the position. And you still have guys like Oren Burks on the roster. So you can go and draft a guy with some good with some good draft capital, go draft a guy, and then, um, you know, throw, throw a guy like Kwiatkowski in there to really supplement the position. So all three of them, I think, are good options. Schobert is probably the least attractive to me of the three names. But. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I don't know how to feel about either of the two linebackers because Kwiatkowski's still kind of unproven as a middle linebacker on a defensive lineup. Schobert, I think, is a little more proven, and he, he, has, he has a knack of being around the ball. But like you said, if for that price, you might as well just bring back Martinez since he already knows Petten's scheme and knows all that stuff as well. Hooper is interesting because he is going to get paid. He's going to get the biggest. He'll be the highest paid tight end in the NFL going into next year. But he does have that experience with Matt LaFleur. He's played in, in the NFC, which so he's played a lot of the common opponents, so he knows how to work against some of those guys. And I think a duo of Hooper and Sternberger is a serious receiving threat to help spread this offense out a little bit. They can bring back Mercedes Lewis to be kind of an inline guy as well to help out. I think that's a great trio to have and it's such a massive improvement over the last couple of years. 
and I think it'll only help this offense. But again, it's all going to come down to, to price, and it's going to be one of those things where if you're going to do a very expensive bidding war, that's a dangerous proposition for for a Hooper, who's a good tight end, but he's probably not in that Travis Kelsey range. Yeah, no, no, and Hooper Hooper is a great. He's a he's a good tight end because he can block. He's a great receiving option over the middle. Uh, he, he was a big play threat for Atlanta. So I, I think you're he's only 25. You'd be getting him for his athletic prime. Uh, you know, 25, 26, 27, 28. You know, I'm assuming a four year deal. I don't think you'd do much longer than that. Um, but uh, he's no he's no Kelsey. He's no Kittle. But he would his presence alone. And the threat that he provides as a blocker and as a receiver would automatically boost this offense and uh, what this offense can do. And I really think that the ticket here, rather than going out and spending big on a receiver, is spending big on the tight end position um, and then allowing LaFleur to get that balance that he's so sought over the last year and adding that 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 wide receiver talent in the draft, excuse me. So you can go into the draft and then find the type of receiver that you want to add. So I, I think that, that Hooper and uh, a high round selection of a wide receiver is, is really where, really what should and maybe needs to happen for this Packers offense. Absolutely. And we'll be getting into that in just a couple of minutes. But before we get that, uh, it was broken Saturday afternoon that it sounds like the Packers will be hosting the Cleveland Browns in Green Bay for some joint training camp practices this summer. Uh, we saw that with Houston. Uh, this past summer, and it was very interesting, to say the least, after Jay Sternberger got knocked the bleep out by Lonnie Johnson during a, during a, a training camp practice. Uh, obviously, Aaron Rodgers was not very happy with that, but Coach Matt, uh, Matt LaFleur really seems to like this idea, and it, it is interesting to have another opponent come in and kind of helps your own guys kind of not go after each other during practices as much. But Cleveland was such a team full of personalities and 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 a, just a new coaching staff and everything. That's an interesting group to be welcoming into Lambeau. Tyler, what are your thoughts on the Cleveland Browns and seeing Baker Mayfield on the same field with Aaron Rodgers right now? I mean, I, I love it. You know, there's there's talks of Miles Garrett, and I don't I don't think Garrett is being fairly labeled right now, but. The Browns are a very talented football team, regardless of how they performed last year. That roster is stupid talented. And so to put that amount of talent into a training camp session, um, into a practice session, obviously probably a scrimmage at some point, and really have the talent to evaluate your talent then, you know, it's going to be a great opportunity for LaFleur and his staff to, to get a good evaluation of the team going into training camp in the preseason and then the regular season. No, I agree. I can't wait to see the drills between Jerry Alexander and Jarvis Landry or Kevin King and OBJ. That That's going to be some fun stuff to watch. Seeing Kenny Clark go up one-on-one with J.C. Treader for one also could be a lot of fun. It's, it's going to be – I think it's I think it's a good team to bring in and match up with. Miles Garrett and David Bakhtiari is going to be some of the best one-on-one pass rush drills you're going to see. Those are, going to, those are going to be some of the most entertaining moments of practice I think we'll, we have, we'll have seen in years up uh, at, at uh, Don Hudson Field and Clark Hankel Field. I think, yeah, I, I, I think it's a good idea. I love doing these practices. It's good for the, I think it's fun for fans to watch it. I think the players like it for the most part. And I think this fall we're going to see more and more and more of that league-wide, not just up here in, in Green Bay. Yeah, and there's inevitably going to be connections back to 
when the Texans were in town. And like you said, the Lonnie Johnson thing with Jay, uh, Jay Sternberger. And then um, also Rogers' comments about special teams. You know, infamously one of the first times that national media tried to make it about the floor and Rogers' relationship and Rogers, you know, talking smack about the floor, basically passive aggressively and all this other stuff. And so we'll see also if the floor does take Rogers' advice and kind of eliminate some of the special team stuff from from the practice because I mean that's the whole direction of the NFL right now is to reduce those types of interactions between the players. So we'll see if Lafleur uh, makes any changes this time around. Absolutely. So with that stuff out of the way, let's move on to the NFL Combine. Of course, Indianapolis has been busy this week with about 300 of the top players in college football testing out, working out, and meeting with teams. Packers have met with a lot of linebackers and a lot of wide receivers. And just taking a look at some of the receivers, because linebackers kind of solidified itself, and as of a recording of this, we haven't gotten to the linebackers on-field stuff yet. But the receivers had some in, insane numbers that they put up on the field. Just absolutely bonkers. And just kind of looking at the top 75, according to the draft network, I'd say let's make it top 80 to include Denzel Mims, because he had a really good combine as well. It was a very interesting group for the wide receivers. And Tyler, from what you've seen, from what you've read about, are there some guys who had been talked to at about the end of that first round who have jumped even further ahead that may now no longer be around at 30? Um, You know, I'm not sure how much of an opportunity there would have been for Ruggs to be there at 30, but I think he solidified himself as probably the wide receiver 2A or 2B, if, if you want to include Judy there. So he's one of the top three wide receivers now, un- undoubtedly. And uh, I think Lamb is the first to go, Judy not too far after him, if not Ruggs. I, I think it's, it's a worthy conversation to talk about the possibility of Ruggs being taken before Judy. Uh, but I, I, I think that with his performance and his um, validation of what you see on tape with Ruggs, I think he cemented himself as a top top 20, top 25 pick in uh, the upcoming draft. So he, he's one of those guys. Justin Jefferson, he's a guy who's really vaulted into probably being a late round first, a late first round pick now with his performance because he drastically outperformed what people thought he would. So Justin Jefferson's a guy that the Packers could probably consider at 30 and nobody would bat an eye. I still think he's a second round receiver, probably early second round kind of guy. Uh, I think that's where his value best fits, but his testing, his testing was out of the wall, elevated his stock uh, because he just tested so well, especially running in the mid four fours of this 40. Um, that was fantastic. And then Donovan Peoples-Jones. So Donovan Peoples-Jones is probably the biggest mover out of all these guys. And i he's a guy who suffered, 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 suffered uh, in his tape analysis because of, because of Shea Patterson in the Michigan offense. It was pretty lethargic, and honestly, he, he suffered. And so Donovan Peoples-Jones is a guy who could sneakily be taken in probably the second round. Back into the first, uh, he's a young dude still. I think he's only 21. Um, you know, stupid athletic, six four. I don't know his forty time, but it was good. I think it was under four five, and his vert was was his vert was like almost it was like forty four inches or something like it's that. Forty four and a half for the vertical. So like you know, he's jumping over me standing up, like which is pretty freaking nuts. Um, it, it's pretty crazy. So. Uh, 
I don't know. I, it, those are those are probably the three guys who had their. Th- those are probably the three guys who had their uh, stock raised the most this weekend or this week, not this weekend, but um, they're the three guys who could possibly jump up into the late first. And um, I think Lamb and Judy and Rugs are the only ones that we could definitively probably say that are not going to be there at thirty. Uh, Rugs would probably be the only one of that group who would make it to thirty, but. Those are probably the three. Yeah, I agree. I think Ruggs with that four two seven has jumped himself into the probably maybe top fifteen because NFL they love speed and I, that, he's got plenty of it. I think Jalen Rigor is another one who's kind of vaulted a little bit. He ran a four four seven. He looked pretty sharp. Uh, and Donald Peoples Peoples Jones has been one of my draft crushes now for ever since he declared. I agree with you. He was victimized by the by the Michigan quarterback play and. Because you watch over and over again, you see him get open deep, and he has to sit there and wait for a throw that either doesn't get there or is so underthrown that the corner gets there right when the ball does. And throwing the fact that he can return punts, uh, he can jump through the he can jump through the roof, and I would love him to drop to sixty two. I feel like that would be spectacular. I don't think it'll happen, but he's a guy where. Another young guy, much like Rashawn Gary was and Kenny Clark was, they came in at 20 and 21 years old. All the talent in the world, and I think he, he he's a guy who, who's really helped himself. And and then another guy who I think has helped himself was Chase Claypool. Uh, Claypool, at his size, running 4-4-2 and just putting up these absurd numbers at the combine. At 6'4", 238, jumped 40 and a half inches, broad jump 126, he well, he really helped himself. Uh, I think he's one of two guys at that size to run that fast. The other one is Calvin Johnson. So while he won't be a first-round pick, he's only helping himself. Over, I do think uh, T. Higgins not running or not doing one of the workouts, I think, hurt him a little bit. Chenault was kind of all right. So kind of a tweener guy. Uh, Brandon Ayuk was solid. And... We and we and the last guy I kind of want to talk about is Denzel Mims from Baylor. Uh, he had a big Senior Bowl. He was one of the dominant players there. He was torching corners left and right, and then he comes in and has a really really nice combine. Ends up running a four three eight, as well as a thirty eight a thirty eight inch vertical, a six, uh, the fastest three cone at six three two zero seven. Is is he a guy you'd consider at at sixty two? I think, yeah, I think at the back end of the second, I think it's a good place for a guy like that. Because, uh, you know, when I when I first watched Den- uh, Denzel Mims, I, I just wasn't the biggest fan. Um, I'm still not the biggest fan. Obviously, he tested out of the water, and uh, he is going to be a pick that is clamored for by a lot of fan bases. But I think that the 62 is a great value. And I think that this kind of leads us into the next part of this discussion is should the Packers even spend their first round pick on a wide receiver at this point? I think that there's just so many options in the second round. Maybe this is a trade out year. Uh, You know, you get, you let one of these teams try to trade back up into the first to get their quarterback or something like that. Uh, Or you even take a quarterback if if they're sitting there and it's great value, but that's, let's not get into that too much. Um, you know, I, I think this is a trade-out year, and there's great value in the second round, I think, this year. And uh, this is where you really want to get – where you want to make your money. Um, because even at linebacker, offensive tackle – offensive tackle, it's the it's kind of top-heavy, but there's still good talent throughout the class. 
uh, defensive line, there's going to be good talent in the second and third rounds. Uh, corner, there's going to be great talent. Safety is going to be good talent in the second round. The second and the third rounds of this draft is where I think the teams need to capitalize. Obviously, you always need to hit on your first round picks, but I think, like unlike any other year, you can really make your uh, you can really make your name in that second and third round. And the Packers are no exception to that. The they only have two picks. I would say thirty and sixty two that are that I would consider impactful because once you get to the back end of the third, generally it's starting to get that's when it starts to get uh, slim pickings. But you know maybe they can capitalize, trade back a little bit, maybe move around the board a little bit, and uh, be aggressive and walk away with some talented players at, at positions of need um, because there will certainly be some guys available uh, when they get on the clock at thirty. No, I, I agree. You know, I I agree with you at that point. I don't think they're going to take a receiver in the first. I think just because I think money, you think, but I think getting that, doing a trade down like they did when they got Jordy Nelson, I think is is smart because there's gonna be teams who who are gonna want to catch some of these rising quarterbacks. Whether if Jordan Love starts dropping, some teams are gonna jump, want to jump up and get him. Some team might want to go and get Jacob Easton if he continues to throw like he's been doing it during workouts. Guys like that, if Tua were to fall, things you never know. I think there there's things where people might will want to move up into the end of the first round, like we saw the Ravens do with Lamar Jackson, and we saw the Vikings do with Bridgewater all those years ago. So I think a trade down is smart, unless one of those top middle linebackers is there, a Queen and, or Murray. I think if one of those guys is there, I think Brian Goody comes to pull the trigger to try and get one of those guys, but otherwise I think we'll see a trade down. And like you said, round two and round three is is going to be where the money's made in this draft. That's where you can see a lot of these receivers will go a lot of these defensive linemen offensive linemen will drop and because you're right the offensive line group is pretty top heavy and out of there was talk until Friday night about maybe Tristan Wurst was going to start to drop a little bit but then he basically became Superman at Indianapolis and that's not going to happen anymore so yeah offensive tackle is going to be a little tougher at the end of the first round but defensive line is going to be big in the mid rounds receiver will be big in the mid rounds linebacker could be all right in the mid rounds if someone like Zach Bond were to drop. So I think I think a trade out is a smart move right now. If, if depending on how much it's going, you're going to get for that pick. Uh, if 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 the Packers can get a, a second and a fourth or a second of and a third for that thir- pick thirty, I, I think you snap it up right away. No, I completely agree, and I'm actually about to look up the trade details from when they traded down and then selected Kevin King, um, because it would be a comparable package, I would assume. Let's see here. Uh, first, they got the first pick in round two and four, I think, because it was right. That's what I was thinking. It was a fourth round pick, so you know that doesn't really gonna that doesn't really. Uh, play into what we were talking about with getting as many picks as you could in the second and third round. However, if you do get that fourth round pick, you can trade back into the third or late second, you know, and still get a guy that you're really looking for. Um, let's see here. Yeah, so. Plus that 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 fourth round pick was the very first pick on day three. So then you you had all night to think about which player you wanted to. You had that entire Saturday, or you had the entire Friday night. You could that's that you could teams might want to trade for that, so you could trade up using that pick. So like the, that that pick's kind of in a weird weird spot as far as how trade value works. But no, I, I completely agree. It is because at the end, the end of the first round, the only teams that are really going to truly value that pick are the are the ones who need a quarterback. Um, 
maybe if, if somebody views a defensive end prospect, is that, is that impactful uh, just to save the money for that extra year? But I mean, if, if a defensive end prospect is that impactful, they're likely being taken in the top 10, whereas quarterbacks can be a little bit more project-based. And so obviously we saw it with Lamar Jackson and he sat for a year um, and that paid off for Baltimore. Uh, the Chiefs were a little bit more aggressive when they traded up for Mahomes and then let him sit for a year. I think they traded up to 15 to get Mahomes, if I remember correctly. Uh, but, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I think it's too early to tell or even predict or try to predict or even speculate what the Packers are going to do at 30 simply because we still have an entire free agency period to go through here in a couple of weeks. And if they take Hooper or if they go out and get a receiver, maybe they're not talking about receiver at 30 anymore and maybe their needs become a lot clearer. Maybe they bring back Bulaga and they don't need to talk about a tackle in the first round anymore. You know, so all these things that still need to happen before we can really begin to accurately speculate what the Packers are going to do with their, uh, I, w- I would actually call it limited top three selections this year. So we'll, we'll see what they, we'll see what they decide to do. Um, but you know, as of right now, their their options are certainly open. Absolutely, and it's, and it's always fun to speculate here as as we as I'm currently watching the combine on mute as we're recording this. But I guess the last thing before we sign off, can we give some big props to to Jonathan Taylor out of for Wisconsin since the guy runs a four three nine at two hundred twenty six pounds. That's fast and that's scary. Yeah, no, it's. Um I think it's Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley levels of testing, honestly, uh, in terms of in terms of the athletic prowess that he's showing there. Um, don't who cares about the seventeen bench reps? I certainly don't. Um, but I, everything else, he, he looks fantastic. And you know the tape, the tape matches. The only the biggest knock on the biggest knock on Jonathan Taylor right now, which might knock him down into the second round, is the tread on his tires. So you know we can talk about how that affects him moving forward, but, you know, that's really his only big negative. Everything else kind of is, uh, there's a check in the box. So uh, Jonathan Taylor is going to be interesting, interesting one to watch as we get closer to draft. Absolutely. So as we wrap, there's another guy that could be, be a trade-up <laughs> spot too. But So last thing as we wrap things up, and this is very specifically for Jacob Westendorf, if you're listening, all I need is three letters on day two of the draft, and that's DPJ, Donovan Peoples-Jones. So that being said, Tyler, what are you looking forward to? What are you working on? And where can people find you? Uh, well, I'm looking forward to free agency because there's a lot. I feel like there's going to be a lot of movement in the Green Bay uh, roster. Um, both players leaving and both players coming back. Hopefully, we see Belaga come back, and then uh, hopefully we get a hopefully we get a notification on our phones that Austin Hooper is going to be wearing green and gold in 2020 because I think that'd be fantastic. Um, but what I'm working on, I'm still I'm still over at Dynasty Nerds, uh, putting out some content over there, uh, taking. Kind of taking a back seat right now because I'm working on the draft guide for Cheesehead TV, uh, writing about the defensive line. So be sure to check that out when pre-orders come out in a couple weeks. And then, um, yeah, I'm just uh, I'm just around otherwise, just kind of keeping my eye, keeping my eyes open and uh, acquiring information as always. So uh, you can find me on Twitter at Tyler underscore Grez T Y L E R underscore G R E Z. You can also you can find me on Twitter at Mike Wenlin. I'm working for Dairy, I'm writing for Dairyland Express. I've done some combine stuff. I'll be doing some more draft stuff shortly as well. I, I just released, we did like a com, com, competing three-round mock draft with Paul Brettel and, and another one of our writers as well to try and figure out how to balance these three picks for the Packers in the first three rounds. So stay tuned for that and look for more Dairyland Express stuff. And, of course, check back tomorrow for more Packers talk on the Packaday podcast. 
Again, find it wherever good podcasts are found, whether it's iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher. We are there. And follow us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast for and all of our great contributors as well. So for Tyler Grizzagork, this is Mike Whalen saying so long for now. I'll talk to you. We'll talk we'll talk to you guys next Sunday, but there will be more Packaday Podcasts on tomorrow as well. And of course, go pack go. class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. 
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.